Welcome to the Countries for Kids podcast from Case of Adventure. I'm Karen and I'm so excited that you're listening today. I'm going to be reading from A Clash of Swords in Scotland from our Scotland Adventure book. To find out more, go to caseofadventure.com. Chapter 5, Letter to the King. Arriving back at the guest house just before lunch, Mom, Dad and the children unwrapped their bags and headed for the dining room. Shauna Sinclair greeted them as soon as they entered and excitedly took them over to meet Janet's parents. Ken and Beverly Murray were a delightful couple in their 60s who were staying at the guest house for the wedding. This is my baby sister Bev and my brother-in-law Ken, Shauna introduced them. Ken and Bev, this is Elizabeth, Janet's friend from university, and her husband Matthew. These are their children. Ren loves to bake and is great at handicrafts, I've been told. Libby is seven and loves dogs. Rome is really a handy swordsman and is working towards becoming a chef. Jake is a keen piano player and violinist in the making. And Tiffany is a cutie who charms us all. Mom was impressed by Shauna's accurate recollection of all the children had told her in the past couple of days. I remember meeting you once before, Elizabeth, when we visited Janet in South Africa, Bev mentioned to Mom. Yes, that's right, Mom responded. I remember you came out for a couple of weeks. It's lovely to see you again. Well, why don't we all sit down together so we can get to know each other? Ken boomed at a volume that Wren was coming to recognize as typical of a Scottish male voice. Alistair Sinclair came over and he and Dad pulled together tables and chairs to seat them all. Alistair and Shauna planned to join them later after the lunch service was well underway. There was an elegant buffet table where they could all help themselves to the delicious food. Been swinging any swords lately, lad? Uncle Alistair teased Rome, his dark eyes twinkling beneath his extremely bushy eyebrows. Actually, yes, Rome grinned at him. We got to try a bit of sword fighting with Uncle Ian at the castle. Ah, yes, training to be a knight, eh? Uncle Alistair remarked and bustled off to welcome some customers that had just arrived. Are these our little flower girls then? Ken Murray looked at Libby and Tiffany. We're going to wear wedding dresses for the wedding. Tiffany spoke with excitement in her voice. We're going to carry flower baskets. That will be really special, Bev told her in an attractive Scottish lilt. She turned to Mum. Wim's castle is going to be full of relatives and clan members for the wedding. Janet thought it best that we stay here. It's lovely to be with Alistair and Shauna. After lunch and a short rest, they set off back to Edinburgh Castle. Their passes still valid, they entered the castle and followed signs to the medieval David's Tower, stopping to admire the fantastic view of the city from the half-moon battery. We're visiting two castles in one day, Libby was impressed. And solving two mysteries, Jake exclaimed. Two mysteries, Wren asked him surprised. Yes, replied Jake, the mystery of the missing Dirk and the mystery of the strange teeth. What do you mean, Wren asked him. Jake hung back from the family, looking away from Wren, and quickly slipped something into his mouth. He gave Wren a huge shock when he grinned at her. His teeth looked so terrible that she shrieked in fright, which turned to laughter. She tried to cover up her outburst when Jake held a finger to his lips. 
He wanted to surprise the others with his fake rubber teeth that he had brought from home and decided to choose his moment carefully. He slipped the grotesque teeth out of his mouth and back into his pocket to wait until the perfect time arrived. The castle is so vast, it feels like an entirely different place to the last time we were here, commented Rome. Surrounding them on the vast circular roof were cannons poking their barrels through holes in the stone walls. A sign describing the half-moon battery noted, A mighty artillery fortification built after the long siege of 1571 to protect the royal palace from bombardment. David's Tower, the residence of Robert Bruce's son, King David II, lies buried beneath this platform. The children looked around themselves with interest, mulling over the information. This big structure was built around and over the ruins of David's Tower, said Dad. It's so high and the sky looks so big, I can hardly see the ground, Libby remarked. It makes me feel quite giddy. Rome, what do you think? A collapsed tower lies underneath us, and possibly a hidden dagger from the honours of Scotland, Wren nudged him. Let's just hope we can find it, Rome replied. It feels kind of impossible right now. And here I thought we were coming to Scotland for a wedding, Mom teased with a smile. We are, Wren slipped her arm through Mom's. But how awesome that we get to solve a mystery too. There have been 26 seizures in its thousand years of existence, Dad told them, which means we are standing in the most besieged place in Great Britain. They descended into the basement of the battery and then down many stone steps until they came to the entrance of the remains of David's Tower. A sign by the black iron gates read, David's Tower. Down these steps are the remains of a tower built in the late 14th century for King David II, the son of Robert the Bruce. The lofty tower came crashing down during the Lang Siege of 1571. The remains of the tower were dark and musty. The walls were rock with passages and tunnels hewn from them. Bricks and mortar had been filled in in patches where repair was needed. It was like being inside a man-made cave. The roof was uneven, the doorways small, and the rooms very dark except for a few signs lit up by dim lights. Dad ran his hand over a large curved dent in a wall. Perhaps a cannonball was once embedded here, he noted. Dad led them through a doorway and into a small area with a large bricked surface at about knee height. The king's toilet, Wren exclaimed, seeing the sign. There was a deep hole in the middle of it. This display shows what the decoy box looked like. Rome came over to examine the area. A wooden box lined with shiny red cloth was displayed nearby. Here's a picture of the crown in its wooden box, which is lined with zinc and red velvet, he said. They looked at the place in the wall where the sword had been hidden. Look at this! The children gathered around as Rome pointed to a framed display on a stand which told about the buried treasure that had been hidden in David's tower. It showed a handwritten letter signed by the royal treasurer. His Majesty the King, Rome read out loud. The letter read as follows. His Majesty the King has commissioned me to secrete our valued jewels away from the enemy. We wish to protect them in the event of invasion. They are sealed in zinc-lined boxes and are buried in the ruins of David's tower. The crown lies beneath the king's latrine, accompanied by a decoy box, but the scepter, sword of state, 
belt, scabbard and wand were moved to a cavity in the wall below the battery. Plans included herein show the exact location of the honours of Scotland. Signed, Douglas, Duke of Hamilton, Royal Treasurer, Scotland. Copies of the letter were sent to King George VI, the King's and Lord Treasurer's Remembrancer, the Secretary of State for Scotland, and the Governor-General of Canada, Rome finished. Dad photographed the letter as Wren and Rome studied it closely. We need to head back soon, Mum told them. There are a few things I need to do before the wedding. We can study the letter from the photograph, Wren commented to Rome. We'll have to figure out if this letter has anything in common with the other one from Sir Angus's diary. Hopefully seeing the two side by side will give us a clue where to start, Rome responded. Don't you think Ian's grandfather would have wanted the clue in both letters in case one got lost? Hmm, could be. But he was only involved in the hiding of the dagger, not the rest of the honours. We don't know if he knew the person who hid the crown and wrote the letter to the king. Yes, you're right. Let's hope we can figure it out. Back at the guest house, Mum was helping Aunt Shauna with a few wedding details. She also checked her dress and the children's outfits for the wedding. It was rather intimidating having to prepare the children for the important wedding of a future Earl and his bride. That's all for now. See you next time.